Hey friends, and welcome to episode 111 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about one of the hidden time wasters that we're all guilty of from time to time, and that's complaining. Lori Oberbreckling, host of The Secrets of a Supermom Show, joins me today to dive into one of the ways we can take back our time, and that's by cutting the complaining. I loved this conversation with Lori, especially because she's so accomplished and has navigated various roles and responsibilities, all while being a mom. But I'll tell you that you don't have to be a super mom or a mom at all to walk away from this episode feeling on fire to rethink your complaining habit in favor of a much more solutions-based approach. So let me tell you all about Lori. Lori Oberbreckling is the author of Secrets of a Supermom, How Extraordinary Moms Succeed at Work and Home and How You Can Too. She's a wife and mom to four tiny humans, all while working as a corporate executive and nurturing several side hustles. She helps moms who want it all develop the skills, habits, and confidence to happily have it all. In today's conversation with Lori, she shares how she navigates her work as an executive for a clinical research company with her multiple side hustles, all while raising four children. She tells us about her Sunday secret to planning a stress-free week. You'll hear about the difference between venting and complaining and how to break the cycle. Plus, Lori shares tips to transition from complaining to problem solving, whether you are the complainer in question or someone else is complaining to you. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 111, including links to Lori's go-to planner, her favorite app for managing all of her family activities, and more. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I would be so grateful for your review. Your feedback means the world. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman-Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Lori. Welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited for our conversation today. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to chat today. Yes, yes. Well, the timing worked out perfectly. And I, I really am so excited to share this with everyone today. And, you know, before we got started, of course, I gave everyone the official Lori bio, but I love to hear in your own words, how do you spend your time? 
Absolutely. So I'm Lori Oberbreckling. I am a wife. I've been married for over 13 years and we have four kiddos. We have an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old oh, wow. who just started kindergarten <laughs> this year. So it was a big year. We now have, if you can believe it, we have three years in a row where all of our kids will be in the same school. So it is kind of unbelievable and a very exciting time because we've been doing you know, two or oftentimes three drop-offs for a very long time. And it is amazing just to walk everyone to school. So it's it's been a good year so far. And we're back, you know, we're back full time, which is also exciting because mm -hmm. that is, you know, not been so common for all of us. Right. So, and then for work, I, so I do have a nine to five. I am an executive with a clinical research company. And then on the side, I actually have a couple of side hustles. I am a photographer for families and newborns. And then also I, this year wrote and launched a book in February called Secrets of Supermom. So now I'm an official author. Wow. Congratulations. That is so amazing. It has been a wild ride. Like I told people if, if a year ago you would have said, here is what your plan is going to be over the next year, I would have laughed <laughs> and said, no, I don't think that's actually my plan. But yeah, things have just kind of rolled into new things and it's been adventure after adventure. And I'm excited to see where it's going to go because I know that there are things that I can't even picture that are coming, right? Yeah. And it's just really exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't you just love that? That sometimes what ends up happening is so much better than anything you could have imagined. Oh, so much better. Yes, exactly. It's uh, it's so true. Wow. So you have a nine to five. You have a, a family with a lot going on, even though your morning carpool time is cut down a bit now. Yep. <laughs> So you are a photographer and you said family photography, is that correct? Yep. Family and newborns mostly. Family and newborns. Okay. And you somehow found the time to write and have a book published in the last year. What it's, else? Is there anything yeah. else up your sleeve that we don't know about? What else do you have going on? It's bonkers. Yeah. Well, I, so because of the book, I mm -hmm. had the opportunity to start a podcast. So I now have a podcast and have had the opportunity to create a, a program. So we're in beta right now. And so I'm working with moms and it's just unbelievable. It is, it is cooler than anything I would have ever expected. And so there's just, like I said, adventure after adventure. And I, I know there's more to come. It's just, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm absolutely excited to keep in touch and see what happens next. But with all of that, you know, no big deal. You you have tons of free time, I'm sure, in, be in between, you know, all of the different things that you have going on. But seriously, Lori, you've got to tell me, how does this work? How do you have your successful nine to five and take care of your family, your four kids, find the time to still run your photography business. Give me your secrets, super mom. Yes. So obviously, you know, obviously being, you know, on your podcast, we, we have lots of things in common based on, you know, just having to be very particular, very specific, very mm -hmm. intentional about how I spend my time, about how I plan my time. So I have a few strategies that I use that I like, and they've changed over the years as more things have come, right? Because mm -hmm. of course, when I started out in my career, I had no children. And right. so 
working took over a lot of time and then, you know, hobbies and that sort of thing. And then as each child came along, I had to tweak and I had to change things and come up with a new plan. But right now I'll tell you what works for me as probably the busiest I've ever been. I plan on Sundays. So on Sunday, I take a little extra time in the morning and I plan out my whole week. And so I look at my calendars. And so we've got a couple different calendars that we use. Uh, and I'll tell you about those too. But I plan that out in an actual hard copy planner. I use a, a planner called Crush the Rush right now. And I love that. It's a, it's a quarterly planner, but it allows me to plan out my whole week. And so I take everything for the week. So that would be work meetings, that would be photo sessions, that would be any interviews that I'm doing for the podcast, as well as all the kid activities, any appointments for my husband or any of his activities. I put everything in the planner for the week. Mm. And then each morning when I wake up as part of my morning routine, which I also have pretty structured, I review the whole day and make any tweaks and block any tasks that have to be done. So my Sunday planning is more immovable tasks, mm -hmm. you know, things like meetings, things like appointments. And then my daily planning is putting in, okay, I, I need to get this task done. It doesn't matter if I get it done at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m., but I'm going to put it in there where it's most appropriate depending on that day. Mm -hmm. So Love that's it. what I use that day planning for. And you mentioned that you're putting all of this in a paper planner. Crush the Rush is your go-to. That's my go-to right now. Yeah. I've, I've used longer, longer term planners, but this one right now is really nice for the day breakdown. And then it's a quarterly planner. So mm -hmm. I can still plan out quarterly goals mm -hmm. in it. And then for long-term planning, I use, well, we use a couple of things. I, I use at work, I use Outlook because mm -hmm. it's required. And I think probably a lot of, of your listeners that are working moms that maybe have side hustles or have families plus work have some sort of requirement at work, yeah. right? So you've got that outlook requirement and we share that with everybody uh, on our teams. But at home, we use Cozy. Have you used Cozy? I have heard of Cozy. I've never used it personally. My kids are both very young, six months and two and a half. So we haven't really gotten into all of the activities yet, but I've heard yeah. that Cozy is great for kids who you know have ballet and soccer practice. Uh, but tell me a little bit about that and how that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband found it years ago. I mean, I, I feel like we may be, I don't know when they first started, but we've been on the cozy train for a long time. And he said, hey, we've got to have a way to track things and I can't do a paper planner. So my husband, super techie, has no desire to be looking at a paper planner, look at, looking <laughs> at a paper calendar. And he said, we have to find a way to do this so that it's automated. Mm -hmm. And he found Cozy. And I said, all right, I'll try it. Well, now, you know, we can't live without it. We put all of our family activities and then any work activities that would overlap with the other person. Mm -hmm. So I don't put a noon work meeting because, you know, that's my working hours and that's fine. But things that would overlap with the other person in the evening, meetings, you know, presentations, trips. We He traveled for a really long time every week and I traveled a lot too. And so we put all of those things in there. And now as our children will get bigger, they have a color inside Cozy and they will have, as they get older and have email addresses, they'll have their own email address. And so it will notify them and be able to keep them in touch. So as they start to get their own activities, now I told you my oldest is only 11, so mm -hmm. I track everyone's activities right. right now. But as they get bigger, they'll be able to do that on their own. And then we'll have this big shared family calendar that everybody can access and everybody knows what everybody is doing. And I just, for the long term, that seems like it's just going to work perfectly. 
Oh my goodness. That really does sound amazing. A yeah. family hub that has automation that can grow with your family as your kids get older and you still get to use your paper planner. I find that that's something that so many are really reluctant to give up mm. is I know it would be more efficient for everyone in my family to be on a Google calendar or a shared calendar, but I just love my paper planner so much. And it sounds like you found a really great mix of that that works really well for your family. It has really been the perfect way because I I hear you. I hear you, mamas, that want to use that paper planner. That is me. There's no way I could just do everything in the automated one, much as I love Cozy. I, I couldn't do everything in there. But getting to combine the two, that has been the sweet spot for years now, and it's working really nicely for us. I will tell you one other amazing trick that people love when they come to our house. My husband, being the techie guy that he is, created this digital board that is in our kitchen. So if you picture some people have a big whiteboard, you know, having all their activities, ours is digital. And in that digital board, Cozy, the way that he's programmed it, pulls in. So you can see all the activities for the next week right in our kitchen, right on the board. And it is pretty stinking cool. So that's another way that we keep everything together is that everyone can see it every single day. You're making my time management heart race over here at the thought of this large screen in your kitchen with all your family activities. Is this something that he created with a TV or a computer screen? What exactly is this? It is. It is a TV screen and it's a large TV screen. And he then has what's called, I mean, I, I do not know the details. So if anyone techie is listening, <laughs> forgive me for just butchering the heck out of this, but it's called a Raspberry Pi. And it's oh, basically yeah. a tiny little mini computer that he programmed with with apps that have already been created by other people. And then he just chooses and can pull all these things in. And so it has our meal plan on it. If we enter it into a Google calendar, it has weather pulled into it. It has right now it has COVID numbers. On wow. there. It has countdowns to birthdays and to trips. And, and then it has all of our items from our cozy calendar. I'll have to send you a picture. It's yes. amazing. It's I'm so obsessed. cool. This sounds amazing. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah. So really fun. It's a really great way for all of us to stay super in tune with yeah. exactly what's going on. And I'll tell you, we rarely miss anything mm -hmm. um, because we've just kind of got it all dialed in. I think that is, that's fantastic. That's really exciting. A, a yeah. very visual solution that's there. I love that you have that you can pull up your meal plan on it, that you can like have the birthday countdown. That's super, that's super fun. I, I do have a, a paper planner question real quick yeah. before we move yeah. on. Because I, I too, I love the idea of paper planners. I have a paper planner that I keep on my desk every day. And I use it similarly to the way that you do your morning routine, where you look at your meetings, those immovables for the day, and then you drop in tasks that need to be completed mm -hmm. at different times of day. So that's, that's a big use of my paper planner. How do you manage when things change or when a meeting is rescheduled or there's something that requires shuffling around or adaptation with a paper planner? Yeah. So I am not a beautiful paper planner <laughs> mom. So uh, it mine doesn't have stickers and different color pens and all sorts of like true gorgeousness. Mm -hmm. Mine is really a usable paper planner mom. Mm -hmm. So if I have to cross out a meeting, that's cool. If I have to put a bunch of arrows all over the place, that's cool. And so that's what I'll do. So this week that happened actually multiple times to me. Multiple meetings got shifted and I had already blocked the time that I planned to use for that meeting that shifted. 
Well, you know, I have two options. I can say absolutely not. I won't attend the the changed meeting. But usually I can try to to you know, to move some things around. So kind of determining now that that task, now that meeting overlaps with a task I was going to do, can I just flip-flop them mm-hmm. or do I need to make a bigger shift? And the reason I think that, so I'm really um, a big proponent of using your energy when you have it and mine just happens to be in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if I had to flip-flop a meeting and like a financial review, a big budget review, and I had to do that at three in the afternoon, that's going to be a problem. That's so I have tough. to, oh, so hard for me. So I have to figure out how can I still put those critical things that require lots of brain energy in the Mm -hmm. morning and then still push those other, you know, email checking and all those other things off to the afternoon. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I have to do a little more finagling and there's a lot more arrows, but, but that's, I, the paper planner, I still love because I just need to be able to see it, have it written down and, and be able to just keep those lists and keep those things going. Mm-hmm. I think that that's great. And you make such an excellent point when you specify that your paper planner is a tool. You, yes. you It is not a scrapbook. It is not a work of art. I mean, it could be a work of art, sure. but, but it is meant to be a functional tool for you. And so you have released the pressure of trying to make it look pretty and perfect. And you are creating the arrows and scratching out and drawing lines through and really making it work for you instead of being pressured to use it in a certain way. I am. And I, I mean, I had stickers when I first started using it and they were fun and getting stuff in there was, was fun. But then when, you know, as kids have come and Mm -hmm. more jobs have come and, and I really just have to be very, very strategic with my time, that was sort of a hobbyish thing. It felt mm-hmm. like something that was really making my planning better. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to release that. And I think that that, you know, that's been helpful. Not that I still don't save them sometimes. So that I sometimes will save them and, and still be able to look back, but it's not as clean and beautiful as it might've used to be. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just starts to reflect the the messiness and the adventures of life, right? <laughs> It's so true. Yes. Messy planner, messy life. Right, right. That would probably be a really fun, like a blog post or Instagram carousel where year by year you see the gradual decline in the, the prettiness of the planner. That's really yep. funny. It's really so funny. many things. And and it holds so many more things now, you know, so many more activities. But but it's true. That would be that would be a funny by uh, the end back. of the year, it's like rubber banded together. There's stuff falling out of it. Yeah. Oh, disaster. But that, yeah, I think it just shows all of the amazing things that are happening. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you brought up something that I really want to to make sure we dive into really quickly. You pointed out that you know that your best time of day in terms of energy is in the morning. And that if you have to do an in-depth financial review in the afternoon, it's going to be a problem. Lori, I am the same way. I like to say I'm not really a morning person, but I'm not a night owl either. But man, it's that mid-morning time block that I really am able to wake up and get my best work done. And then we all crash in the afternoon. Yeah. I would, I'd love to know, have, have you always known that about yourself or was it a gradual realization? When did you really start prioritizing your energy? What's that look like? 
Yeah. So I, I think I've always been a morning person. I mean, I, I think like, uh, you know, if I think about like my mom and my dad, my mom definitely was not a morning person. And my dad was always up singing and drinking <laughs> coffee. And, you know, I think I took more after that, that I am more the singing, drinking coffee mom in the morning than, than the crash out mom, you know, just trying to wake up. And I always have known that at night, I just kind of crash. I start to get really tired and I just... I, some nights would stay up late working. So especially when I had little, little kids, I, you know, Mm -hmm. everything, it was hard to get sleep. It was hard to do anything. And I would have to stay up late working sometimes. And I would get to the point where I just thought I'm not making any progress here. I've been working at this for an hour and it's not working. And so sometimes I would go to sleep and I would wake up at like three in the morning Mm -hmm. because I knew my mind was fresher at three than it was at say 11 PM. And I'm not recommending that to anybody. That's crazy (laughs) amounts of work and sleep and madness. But I mean, it's the truth of how it was some of the time when I was building my career and building, you know, a family at the same time. And So I would wake up super early because I knew my mind was fresher and I could move faster. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to take an hour on a project, I'm going to put my best hour instead of taking three hours in the evening because I just couldn't think as fast. Mm -hmm. So I think as I, you know, I've known that I was a morning person, but as I have continued to grow and and have more going on, I've really realized if I don't use this morning time to my absolute best, I am going to lose it later in the day. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I've continued to work hard to prioritize those morning tasks. Mm-hmm. You have brought much more intention to harnessing your energy when it's going to help you the most. Yes, exactly. Intentional is a favorite word of mine, but yes, it's it's about being intentional so that I can use my time as wisely as possible because I still like to make sure I have free time. Yeah. And if I could do something better, faster, smarter, then I can have more free time later to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. To do whatever you want. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So tell me a little bit more about the family side of things. You know, you've shared that you have this amazing hub with Cozy You've told us a little bit about your paper planner. I believe I heard you mention meal planning in there. Yeah. You know, how long do I get to call myself a new mom? I have a two and a half year old and a six month old. And sometimes I feel like a new mom just all, all the time. It's like, when, oh, when, man. when do I stop feeling like a new mom? First of all, I, I think never. <laughs> okay. I think, well, because <laughs> the kids keep growing. Yeah. So I may not be actually a new mom, right? But I am a new mom to a preteen. Right, for right. Sure. Right. You know, and, and, And so I think that you're just continuously getting those new times, the new dynamic between your kids and how old they are against each other. And then with you and, you know, anybody that has a partner or a spouse. And I think that you just are constantly learning new things Mm -hmm. and new strategies because you need them because your kids change, you change, and and now you've got to try something new. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the, you know, planning wise, having that central hub of using cozy in our case has been really, really helpful because all of our kids have activities. All of them have different activities and it is super important that we can see what overlaps, how it overlaps and where we need to divide and conquer, you know, Mm -hmm. my husband and I, or where we need to actually ask for help even outside of, of us, because sometimes there's things that we've got to, you know, ask for friends or neighbors or, or family or someone else to help us. And, you know, I think it's, you know, we're grateful that we can do that and that we've made some of those connections to be able to get that help. But 
that central spot to put everybody's everything has really been, I think, a game changer for mm-hmm. us because having different schedules all over the place is really, really hard. Really and hard. My husband, like I, I told you, my husband traveled. So this was a couple of years ago, he stopped traveling significantly, but he was gone every single week. Wow. And so I was working full time, building my career. My kids are all very small, right? I have four children, all very, very little. I'm still nursing. I'm still, you know, I'm dropping them off. I've got multiple drop-offs, multiple pickups, and and then they're starting activities in school for the oldest. And so I had to be super organized to know where everyone needs needed to be when they needed to be there. And I also needed to make sure, can I do this entire schedule on my own if he's not here? And so I think that's always a challenge mm-hmm. if you have nights where your partner is, where, well, you don't have a partner, right? You're single, uh, you're a single mom or single parent, or you've got your a spouse that travels, or you have a spouse that maybe just has other activities and things uh, or work slate or off schedules. You know, if you don't work the same, the same calendar schedule, all of those things make it even harder. And you've got to be really, really organized to make sure you can uh, get all the things done. Organized. And like you said, willing to ask for help and create Mm. that support system. Can you tell us a little bit about what help or having a support system looks like for you across all of the different things that you're doing? You know, nine to five photography business, Secrets of the Supermom podcast, the program that you're creating, and making sure that your kids are where they need to be when they're supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. What what does help look like for you? Yeah. So I, I love this question. So I have family that lives in town. However, all of me and my siblings, so I have a brother and two sisters, we all started having kids at the same time. So there was camaraderie in the fact that all of us had small, small children, but there was also um, you couldn't always ask for help because that person needed help too, right? That person was in the thick of it just like you were. And so it's been great to have cousins growing up of the same ages, but it wasn't always great for help. And so I I feel for people that say, oh, I don't have family around or, or I don't have anybody that I know that lives here. But I challenge folks to think about who is in your life because it's not just family that you can ask. Most of us have neighbors, right? Most of us don't live on giant properties where we don't have neighbors. So we have neighbors that live close that we and and our we've been unbelievably fortunate to have, you know, dream neighbors in in our cul-de-sac that we live in in Phoenix. But being able to ask them for help, being able to ask groups that we're part of. So if we're part of a team, for example, like a baseball team, making friends with those parents and being able to say, "Hey, any chance we could switch taking kids because we've got this overlap. And so just really trying to build those relationships wherever we go, whatever we're doing has been not only more fun for all of us, but really great in being able to make those connections and help each other out and just make it feel like we're all a big team trying to grow our kids the best that we can. It it does take a village. <laughs> a village. It totally does. <laughs> it's true. And that's, and that's you being intentional about creating that village. I think that's wonderful that you have family close by, but your advice to, hey, if you don't have family, how can you 
still create that support system. It's it's so funny that you mentioned that. I actually spent probably about 30 minutes before we jumped on this interview texting a few friends in the area asking for babysitter recommendations, trying yes. to to build that bench of babysitters because we don't have family close by. And you know, relying on recommendations and everybody helping each other out is really the only way that we're going to be able to do this. Yes. And I love that because yes, by making those connections and those friendships in the area, now you can ask for all sorts of things, right? Babysitters, doctors, who, you know, who are our daughter broker wrist, who should we, what orthopedist should we see? Any of those things is, is a great, just, it makes you feel better. And it gives you that space to say, okay, now we have someone we really can ask for help. Mm -hmm. And and, and be able to take breaks and be able to do all the things, you know, whatever it is that you want to do with that free time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's so fascinating to me that what you said about how both you and your husband were traveling a lot. I, I know that that it's tough to have to take, take control to, to create that or that, you know, perfectly orchestrated schedule to get you from sunup to sundown to all of the places in between while you're growing your family, while you are growing your career. And it it can be stressful. It mm. can be hard. Also, I'm sure it's very easy to, you know, take a take a turn into negative town. And, <laughs> and so true. And just kind of, you know, when you're in the in the muck of being late for drop off or Somebody you know forgot something that they needed for school or a meeting changes last minute. It can be really tough to stay positive through those times. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. 
You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. I would love to hear what you've learned along the way as you've navigated the obstacles that have you know, popped up and, and derailed everything and required you to add all of the arrows and the scratch outs to your calendar. I find that I do not like things that waste time. Mm-hmm. And actually in my book, I even have um, a table. It's a, called the table of terrible time wasters. <laughs> and it's literally all the things that are just time wasters. And it might be something like scrolling social media, and it might be something like waiting in traffic or waiting in line. But there are so many different things that can cause you to waste your time. And when your schedule is as packed as ours was, you know, especially when when my husband was traveling, I had no time and had no tolerance for those time wasters. And one of those to me was complaining. Mm. So just complaining about it was not helping me. It was not making any difference. It was not, it was not making anything better. So I talk about complaining in the book and I really say complaining is all problem, no solution. Mm -hmm. So it's just saying how bad things are without actually trying to change them. And I differentiate kind of venting from complaining in that complaining can be really rooted in emotion, right? Mm -hmm. We can be really stressed out, really upset, frustrated, angry. And so sometimes we have to get some of that emotion out. And so venting is kind of getting all the emotion out, but then venting turns to fixing, right? Mm -hmm. Venting, then we turn and we say, okay, I've got to fix this problem. And complaining really doesn't. It never turns it around. It just stays in the problem. It never focuses on the solution. And so when my schedule was super, super busy like that, if I were just to complain, it wasn't going to make anything better. So rather than that, I you know, really focused on finding solutions. If there was an area where I found myself complaining multiple times, not only to not waste the time about doing it, but to really say, wait a second, why am I still complaining about this? Why do I keep wanting to be frustrated about this? Mm -hmm. Is this something that needs to be fixed? So that's when I would really kind of take that pause and say, what am I doing here? If, if I am tending to complain about this over and over and over again, maybe there's a problem and maybe I need to try to fix it. And then it will save me from having to complain about it ever again. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of us can get spun up in the culture of complaint is what I, is what I like to call it. And I mean, you can see that at work, you can see it at home, but you get kind of caught up in this culture where all we're doing is complaining and it's not doing anything for us. It's not making us have a better schedule. It's not making us have a happier schedule. And it's certainly not using our time to the best that we can to, to find the ways to, to have that wonderful schedule. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, complaining is really, it's really easy to do, especially in the way the world is right now. So easy to do. But it really, really, really is something we have to get out of. Yeah, it is. It's a lot easier to complain than it is to really be strategic and try to find a solution. Yeah, it really is. I tell people, you have got to decide that you don't want the problem. If you really don't want the problem and you really want the change, Mm -hmm. then you've got to start brainstorming those solutions, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to start coming up, use that time wisely to say, could I fix this? Could I change this? Could I stop this? Mm -hmm. Is there, what can I do? And so I think that 
that those are, you know, some good strategies. But I I do like to tell, so I'll ask you, so Anna, you can think about what how this fits for you. But people are like, oh, I don't complain. You know, I, I just get frustrated sometimes. But so here's some kind of checks. Okay. If you find yourself getting negative a lot, especially about the same thing over and over, you're probably complaining. Mm-hmm. If you th- find yourself kind of what you would maybe call whining, if you were listening to your own self-talk, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably complaining. If you start nitpicking mm-hmm. on things, whether that's nitpicking your children, nitpicking your team at work, nitpicking your spouse, your partner, your friends, you're probably complaining. And if you use the word always or use the word never, mm. you're probably complaining. Uh-huh. You're probably complaining. So just think about that and think, ooh, am I, have I started to get into this culture of complaint? Am I, am I caught up in that cycle? And then, you know, kind of take that pause and say, is there a way for me to get out of this? Can I make some changes that will stop it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. thinking about the person on the other end of the complaining, the person that you're talking with, the person that you're complaining to. Mm-hmm. And a few episodes ago, back in episode 94, Ashley Joy shared with us the five members that we all should have in our personal board of directors. And one of those members was a therapist. And her reason for encouraging you to have a therapist in your personal board of directors is because so often we go to our friends with the really, really heavy things. And Mm. she certainly wasn't asserting that we shouldn't share things that are heavy with our friends. No, but just that very often that venting can, can just be very, very heavy and be a burden on our friends. And, you know, it, it makes me think about, you know, how can we vent or how can we share something that's heavy with a friend without it taking a turn into that culture of complaint? How can we be careful? Is there anything that we can do to set up the conversation? You know, how do we, I don't want to say how do we effectively complain, but how can we share in a way that's not going to be a complaining waste of time? Yeah, absolutely. So I I love the recommendation for a therapist. I'm a giant um, proponent of therapy. I was a counselor very early in my career. And so I will always say big shout out to that because the whole point is that you can take a problem, you know, that you might be complaining about and your therapist is actually going to ask you the right questions to turn that around and help you work through to a solution, right? But if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to have the same conversation with a friend of mine then you can still do a lot of the same things that you might do um, if you're working with a therapist. So when you're, when you're telling your friend that you, you know, you're venting about all the things that your spouse is doing that you absolutely hate, right? Then you can actually say, hey, I want to talk about why I feel like this. Not just that I'm angry, mm-hmm. but what is the thought behind me being angry? What mm-hmm. am I actually thinking? Am I thinking that my spouse leaves the toilet seat up because he doesn't respect me? Am I thinking that he isn't thinking about me? Is it really something bigger than just a tiny action? Is Mm it, I'm not cared for, I'm not thought about, my family doesn't think I'm important. And kind of just trying to have some of those conversations a little deeper with your friends and saying, hey, you know, I I was really frustrated about this. What do you think about that? Can you give me some feedback? And Mm getting a little deeper with your friends and being able to to have those conversations. And the same thing is true if you flip it. Mm-hmm. So let's say your friend's coming to you and saying, 
doing all the complaining and and not really wanting to focusing focus in on those solutions asking those same questions saying what do you you know what do you think you were thinking or how did that really make you feel yeah. you know were you were you really frustrated were you did you know what what thoughts were running through your head do you want that to change mm-hmm. what what would you do if you could make that different right just kind of asking those questions of yourself and of your friends mm-hmm. will help you get out of that cycle and more into that problem that problem solving mindset Yeah. One thing that I've found, Lori, that has been productive is when I find that I am being complained to, sometimes I'll ask the question, okay, so are are you just looking to vent or would you like to, or would you like some feedback? Are you interested in problem solving together? Yeah. And I find that sometimes they'll say, I just, I just really need to vent. Thank you for listening. Or that will then transition the conversation into, yes, let's let's problem solve. What do you think? Yeah, I love that because, well, it does two things. One, it switches it into problem solving if, if that's where this person wants to go. And two, if they really are just venting, it sort of stops the cycle from continuing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, puts it, it puts that knowledge in their head that, oh, wait a minute, I really have just been complaining for the last, you know, Mm -hmm. seven minutes straight. Mm -hmm. And maybe I need to either think about making a change or starting to talk through these solutions for this. So what about chronic complainers? You have that one friend or that one family member who even with bringing a subtle attention to the complaining. It just, it continues to be a regular part of your interactions. Maybe you're just the lucky one that they always want to come complain to. Maybe they find that they really can trust you, but how do you deal with other chronic complainers? Yeah, I think, so I, I try all of the things that we talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. asking the right questions, trying to focus on solution. But if, if that doesn't work, if that person just really is, that's just what they want to do sometimes, especially if it's taking you down because complaining Mm -hmm. will, it, it is contagious and it will, it will, you know, infect families, infect friend groups, infect teams. Sometimes you have to take a step back Mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to be just very clear and say, Hey, I feel like every time we have a conversation, it's just, it's just a lot of complaining and, and I feel like we're not getting anywhere Mm -hmm. and, you know, and that's really hard for me, or it's really hard for me to stay positive outside of that. And, and some people will react to that well, and some won't. And, and that's not our job to, to decide how they'll react, but to protect you and to protect your own positivity. If, if that is something that's tearing you down, then you really have to say, do I want to change? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is this something that I need to make a change for? And then, you know, be able to stand by that. And now I think about our kids. I have a two and a half year old who is her little personality is shining through more and more every single day. And it is mm-hmm. so much fun to watch. What can we do to help help teach our kids. I don't want to say not to complain, but how can we teach them how to be productive in in expressing frustration or, you know, cutting back the complaining? Yeah. No, I think that that's a great question. And I, well, first of all, I love that your two-year-old is shining through. That is probably (laughs) one of the most wonderful things is to see 
their personalities start to come out to and and to realize things about your own personality oh, yeah. that start to come out in them. <laughs> and you know, if if you can't laugh at that, then then what can you laugh at? Right. It's uh, that's always a, a lot of fun. But with complaining, so if you notice that your children are complaining about everything, they're constantly complaining. Now, kids are going to complain because you know they want what they want. Right. right? They're gonna they have to learn not to do that. But if you find that it's sort of excessive. First, I want you to take a look back at yourself and think, ooh, have I been complaining nonstop and are they getting this from me? Have I shown them, am I perpetuating that culture of complaint in my own family? And take a really honest look at it because sometimes the answer is yes, that that is what's happening. But if you say, okay, that's not what's happening. It really is just that they they don't know how to problem solve yet. Mm-hmm. They they don't know how to get out of their own little childhood right. and into this kind of next step. So really it's asking those questions. It's asking, why do you think that happened? Why do you think he did that? What do you think was going on with that situation? What, you know, what is, what do you think your next step's going to be? What do you think you should say to her? What do you, you know, how do you feel like, you, how do you want this to end? How do you feel like you will feel better in this situation? Being able to ask those questions and really show them that they have the power to make the decision as, and to change the situation, if it's something they can change, of mm-hmm. course, then I think that those are all really helpful questions. And then also helping them understand what they can't change, mm-hmm. right? So if they're complaining about homework, well, Obviously, they still have to do homework, right? But they get to decide maybe when they do homework, mm-hmm. or what their attitude is around homework, or how they structure their homework space, or any of these other things. So showing them where their power is and allowing them to focus on that, while still having to meet responsibilities and and do what we have to do as you know as children and as humans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love that all of the questions that you ran through in in order to help them, you know, get to the root of the complaining. They were open-ended and they weren't why questions. They were how could you or what could you do? Really opening up those problem solving, really getting those problem solving gears turning for them. And so I love that. That is such a great recommendation. Yeah, I think I, I think that kids often think things are happening to them instead of realizing that they can make the change. Mm-hmm. They get to decide what they're going to say. They get to decide how they're going to react. So by asking those questions, they can start to, take control of that. And, and really, you know, if they have a situation that they really want to say something to a friend, then working through that and saying, okay, what do you think you're going to say? Practicing that even, and then being able to, to go at it without a complaining Mm -hmm. attitude, but with that, I'm going to solve this friendship problem, or I'm going to solve this situation. And Lori, that's, that's not just kids either. That's that's adults too. That's adults too. You're so right. I, so it's funny, a lot of the recommendations that I give across all things, right? right, When we talk about things, working with our kids and, and working as parents, it also is many of the things that I do as a leader Mm -hmm. at my company, many of the things that I do as a coach, many of the things that I do just in general, because we're all people and mm-hmm. we all have these same emotions well up that we have to deal with mm-hmm. and these and these same problems just at a different scale right. right it's it all kind of ends up being the same and so it is it's funny that you say that because it's so so true 
So true. Well, Lori, I knew this would be an amazing conversation and it certainly did not disappoint. You have been such an an amazing guest. I'm so grateful for you for giving your time to It's About Time today. I would love to know how can we stay in touch with you? How can we learn more about what you're doing and just continue to be inspired and encouraged by you? Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for having me. This has been wonderful. So I, my website is secretsofsupermom.com. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Secrets of Supermom. So super easy to find. Super uh, easy. Super easy. And then the the podcast is the Secrets of Supermom show. Oh, Literally wow. the easiest thing ever. So that's where you can find everything. The, the website is where folks can take the quiz to find their Supermom superpower. It's where they can find the book. It's it's where they can get really all the links to all the things. So So that's the best place to head. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much. You have been an absolute delight. I just, I cannot wait to, to stay in touch and see what is coming up around the corner for you. That is going to be so much better than either of us could imagine. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much, Lori, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And there you have it. I absolutely loved this conversation with Lori and feel very inspired and much more aware of the moments that I catch myself in complaining mode. I'll definitely be taking advantage of Lori's recommendations and I hope you found them to be useful too. You can find links to the productivity tools that Lori mentioned, as well as links to the Crush the Rush Planner, Cozy, her podcast, book, and more over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 111. All right, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.